This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Military Veteran Dad, episode 37. This week, we got a very special episode. We had a son of a military dad. And this was an episode when he first pitched it to me, I was like, this sounds like a definitely an idea and a story worth telling. And it would turned out really great. And I'm excited for you guys to listen to it because the other side of being a military dad is just as important to understand as it is being a good military dad, that there's two sides. And often we don't understand the choices that we make as a military dad, how those affect the ones in our life. And this story is about as good as any to tell that other side of how those choices that we make of what we choose to work through, what we don't choose to work through, how all that works through. And before we get started, there's one thing I just wanted to pause and, and say, and that I want to thank you guys, the listeners, because a few of you have reached out and dropped me a thank you note. And those mean the world to me. They, they You guys mentioned what this does for you, that this gives you hope. And these are all the things of the reason I created the podcast for and that you take the fact that you guys are listening to it, taking an hour out of your week to listen to that, that you keep coming back. That means the world to me. And talking to dads one-on-one, either face-to-face or through a phone call, is one of my most favorite things to do. And it has helped me anchor myself in who I am, helps me anchor in coming to you guys stronger as a dad, and just makes me feel alive, to be honest. And a while back, I started talking to dads on my way to work and the way from work and using that 30 minutes to talk to you guys and just understanding what life is like on the other side, what you guys are dealing with, what just understanding someone else's perspective. Sometimes it could be someone that has perspective of being a foster parent. Sometimes I've heard stories of people being adoptive parents. Like these aren't stories that we normally get to enrich our life with, but in this, these conversations, this is something that I'm doing. So if you guys want to drop a, a thank you note or anything and send me anything, feedback about the podcast, I would love to hear it. My email is ben at militaryveterandad.com. You drop me a DM on Instagram, on Twitter, or Facebook. I'm on all the platforms, and I would love to hear any feedback that you guys have or how this podcast has impacted your life or what win you've taken away from the podcast that you've been able to implement. And like I said, those just mean the world to me, and I really appreciate you guys, the listeners who show up every week. This week's episode is with Michael Bullock. He is a father, a husband, and an author, and a corporate consultant. By all standards, he's been a successful, he had he has led a successful life. He has degrees from the top university, followed on by an MBA. He's worked with global firms, been leading part of several successful startups. He's been fortunate to travel the world, see unique, amazing places on six continents. 
He's now in his late 40s. He's the strongest, healthiest, fastest, and fittest he's ever been in a long time, possibly ever. But this wasn't always the case for him. At 30, he sustained a crippling back injury requiring surgery with no certainty for a cure. This issue was so debilitating that as a grown man, his mom had to put my so- had put his socks on for him. And along with the physical side, everything else slid from there. Over time, by research and personal trial and error, he made adjustments to his nutrition supplement, discovered chiropractic, and ventured into yoga. Eventually, he clawed his way back to a normal life, work, and fitness activity. As recently as three years ago, he launched another startup. Feeling like there was just something missing. The family was well, working was work was exciting, and I was and he was the typical weekend warrior at sports following a standard gym routine. And now Michael hosts the podcast of Mastery of Man, and he brings a message of mastering yourself first to try to move your life forward, which is something that we talk about on this podcast a lot. That you can't focus on what other people are doing in your life. You really can only focus on the things that you control. And what I love about Michael is his story related to his dad. His dad was a Vietnam veteran era dad. And what that shaped his view, how his dad showed up in his life, is just an amazing story that I don't want to foreshadow here because it's worth hearing it from his from his words. And without further ado, let's just get right into this episode because I know you're going to love it. Today on the show, we have Michael Bullock. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, Ben. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, you bet. So I, I know your uh, your guests are usually veterans themselves. I'm, I'm not a veteran, never had that uh, that honor or opportunity to serve myself, but I, I come from a veteran family. So uh, it's myself and my brother, two two boys of a father who served in the army in Vietnam and in that era. So he was boots on the ground as an army captain uh, in Vietnam. And uh, I, I know that was a very tough experience and conflict for, for him, as it was for a number of people, particularly as, uh, as they transitioned back to the U.S. and jobs and families and the way that the culture was accepting veterans at that time. And in, in hindsight, this is something that was very, very tough for him for a lot of years and continues to this day in terms of, of PTS. It was something that showed up, uh, again, you know, you kind of learn in hindsight a lot of these things. It showed up throughout my childhood, throughout our family. Uh, in those years, in, in the way that uh, maybe he showed up as a, as a father. Um, unfortunately, some of those things ultimately led to the divorce of my parents. And uh, my father has, uh, has moved on, remarried, but continues to this day to, to deal with his demons and, and try to address his PTS in, in a couple of ways. Uh, one, for himself and working on himself. And in another, sort of a, an element of his career now is working with, with other veterans who struggle with similar, similar things from the past and from that era. But in terms of the impact on, on our family, uh, I have very seldom contact with my father these days. We've, we've been more or less estranged for 25, 30 years. So it, uh, it, it's definitely something that was, that was tough throughout uh, our childhood and, and really affected our family. Go ahead and describe a little bit what your family looks like right now. Yeah, sure. So, so now I am the father of an 11-year-old boy. I'm proud to be a husband and a father. And looking back and reflecting on where I've come in, in my life as an adult and maybe what my childhood looked like and always thinking about things like how to do it better, how to pick up on the good things and carry those forward, and how to improve on the things that, that maybe could have been better. I, I think about that all the time in, in terms of how I'm how I'm showing up as a father to my son, 
what it means in, in my presence at home, what it means in how I interact with, with my son and my family and, and how we're, uh, how we're working both as a family team and as, as a, as a parenting team for our 11 year old. How old were you when your dad came home from Vietnam? So I, I, I don't know the exact, uh, the exact dates or timing, but I, I, I believe I was born probably conceived and all that kind of stuff after, after he did come back. So it was not something where I have, I have memories of him being deployed. So if anything, I was, I was very, very young. when he So returned. you, you almost grew up in the dad. The only dad you knew was the post Vietnam dad. There wasn't De- like you, you, you were his son before and then he went away and you came home and then he changed. Definitely did not know the the pre Vietnam dad, uh, even if I were around at that time. And and I, the way he ended up there was was not in uh, a military career by design. So he was using a an ROTC scholarship to to pay his way through university. Uh, my my dad's family, uh, my my grandpa, they came right off the boat from Ireland. Uh, my mom's family from from Italy, a generation before that. So. You know, not not a ton of means, uh, strong work ethic, and my father was essentially looking to to pay his own way, and you know, bad timing potentially with with the, the conflict that arose over there. So that that took him to Vietnam by way of ROTC, uh, you know, at least as an officer. But uh, again, pretty I think pretty grave impacts to him and and for me, yeah, I, I really just sort of knew knew a man that was you know, very very kind to us as a father. But in a lot of ways, um, somewhat, uh, I'd say, withdrawn or detached. Uh, my, my mom, in a, in a way, was a single, single mother, single parent a lot of the times. Every question we, the first question we ask every dad, and I think this applies for you on the other side of perspective, when you hear the words come home and reflect on your childhood, what do those words mean to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I know it's, it's one you like to explore with, with most of your guests, Ben. So one thing I remember is that, that my dad, I think one way he dealt with things was really throwing himself into work, you know, trying to maybe distract himself or focus his energy somewhere other than where his mind might go, uh, you know, given, given too much idle time. And so that, that led to him traveling for work. It led to long hours at work. And so as a kid, I, I remember while, while, you know, he was around to help out from time to time with things like us playing soccer I remember, you know, there's sort of always this, this question of, you know, would he, would he be at practice today? Would he literally show up? Would he, you know, would he make the game? Would he make my basketball game? Things like that. So I, um, in my career now, I do travel from time to time and I have for many years for work. So it's something I've often thought about with my son from the time he was little and, and to this day of how do I make sure I'm around for the important events? How do I make sure that I do that consistently. I don't, I don't think I've, I've missed a few of his soccer practices when I travel during the week, but I don't think I've ever missed a soccer game uh, to the extent of I, I ran a, a Spartan race one day and I went through the dunk wall, dusted, dusted a little bit of mud off and went straight to uh, a soccer tournament um, to meet him there and make sure I met start time. So to me, it has meant instilling a discipline of consistency to show up literally to the things that are important to my son to, to be there along with him and, and not only physically showing up, but really making an effort at how to be present and have quality of, of time and, and, you know, really be, be there and focused on him and the events that are important to him. 
So did he ever show up or was it a case where it was like every other one or was it like when he did show up, it was like, oh man, I just won the lottery. Yeah, I mean, certainly it, it led to, you know, that almost seems unfair to the to, to my mom, to the one parent who was there consistently. It was there always, yeah. Yeah, right. And then And then it's almost a, it wasn't so inconsistent that it was a surprise, but there's certainly, you know, a lot of joy and a lot of pride in seeing dad show up. So, you know, unfortunately, yeah, there's a little bit of that sentiment of, of, uh, if it's not as frequently or if it's not as consistently as, as you might hope then it sort of leads to some, some interesting yeah. feelings as a child. And I think as a son, I know this is true for me that you look for your father's approval and acceptance that you're, you're being the good son. And if he's distant and not showing up, then it's almost like you're looking for that internal validation that he's, he's approving of what you're doing. And if he's not there to be present in your life, then there's this gap in how you perceive your own life that doesn't get filled right away. Sure. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. I think kids definitely look to their parents for validation and certainly uh, boys, boys with their fathers. So that can, can, that can leave a void. Let's switch to the opposite side. What's, when you want to think of a memory that's like, that, that makes, brings joys to your life, what's a memory of your dad that you think of? If there's a moment that you could share where that's a moment you hold on to when you reflect on the positive version of the dad he was. Yeah. And, it, you know, it is interesting to reflect on stuff like this because I've, I've read and I've heard recently that now scientists, psychologists, whoever studies these things believe that our memories are so faulty, it may be something like 50% accuracy at best mm-hmm. with which we, we recall our past and particularly things as distant as our childhood. So, you know, it is tough to, to figure out how much that lens is colored, but you know, I don't know that I would pick a singular event or accomplishment or something where I could say, you know, my dad was there at that time for that one thing. But I think the, the things that were great experiences for me as a kid and that I look back on and, and I do remember fondly is I was always very, very active in sports, particularly soccer. Uh, so the times that my dad was able to carve out and be an assistant coach or, or show up consistently, uh, he and my grandpa were really into fishing. Um, and, and also he, he got me into hiking and camping. And, and the funny thing is I just had this conversation with my son when we went hiking, camping and fishing in Mount Whitney this year. It was as a kid when my, when my dad and my grandpa took me fishing, took me hiking, took me camping. I thought they were the most boring things in the world as, as a child. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, you know, I look back on it. I was like, those were, those were special times. They were special moments. It was, it was my dad sharing with me things he was passionate about. And, you know, whether it's because of that good memory or, or attachment or just, you know, he was able to teach and instill an appreciation for things like, like nature and the outdoors. Uh, that, those are some things I enjoy very much now as an adult and I enjoy doing with my son. I like what you said there. And for any dads listening, the part that I'm picking up on is that there was those moments where you shared, where he shared what he loved with you. And while it wasn't really valued, it created a memory that, and for me, when I think of these types of memories, it's really when life's super complicated day and you're just looking for a way out almost like these are the memories that you reflect on when life was simpler. And like even the Marine Corps for me, like it was hell. And most days it wasn't something enjoyable, even boot camp. But now being 34, looking back, like those are some memories that 
I reflect on when it was just me, there wasn't any kids, there wasn't anything extra. Or if I go back and I think of the different things that I did with my dad, those are the memories when life was a simpler time. And those just anchor me into where I am today and almost calibrate at the same time of like for you, you calibrate back to that memory to align to the dad that you want to be now. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, and, and you really boiled it down effectively. I, I don't know how the, the amazing brain and body work in that way that they do, but you know whether it's you know my wife remembers the, the glorious things about childbirth and forgets the pain, right? Mm-hmm. Or, oh yeah, the pain. All and all, it's crazy. When, once the baby's born, all the pain, the misery, it just passes right through. And then even as dads and, and moms, when they grow, you forget how hard of a reset that is until the first, next one comes. And it's like, what the F were we thinking? This sucks. <laughs> then you get forget it and you're just like, you want to repeat it. And then you're like, this sucks. How do we do it again? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In fact, I know you and I were talking a little bit off air about, about some things. Like I had just done a, um, I had just done a, let's call it an adversity event uh, this, this thing called seal fit 20 X where you go and spend 12 hours facing adversity to try to discover and learn more about yourself. And leading up to it, I was talking to a, a guy that had been a guest on my podcast that I've become friends with who is a former Navy seal. And he was talking about his experience in going through buds. And then he also became a buds instructor for a little while. And he said, Hey, you know, if you're, you know, mini 12 hour version of a boot camp event is anything like, what I went through in Buds and Hell Week, you know, what a lot of us say is it was something along the lines of it's it's the best thing that you'd never want to do again. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe that's a little bit how these memories are. You know, they, they do leave those imprints. And I think a lot of times as we mature and maybe have the take those quiet times to reflect, we don't necessarily find the value of them in the moment, but we can find them in hindsight and in reflection in those moments of stillness. When you held your son for the first time, did you have a fear that you maybe were going to be repeating what your father was to you? Did that ever, was that ever something you had to work through on your own? You know, it's, it's interesting the way you phrase it. So I remember my son being born, I was in the room and got to cut the umbilical cord and hold him right away and all that great stuff. I remember crying like a baby when he was born with, with joy and just overwhelming emotion. So that's all that was, was there for me in the moment was, was that intense happiness and, and gratitude and thankfulness. But it's interesting you ask that question because it, it's, it's something I didn't ponder in that moment, but it's, it's something that I ponder continuously. As he looks to you for guidance and whether you judge your own actions, whether you're doing right, or am I following in my father's footsteps, or am I trying to carve my own path and be my own dad? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there again, there's sort of these sayings that we have a tendency to become our parents, yep. despite our best efforts, or maybe because of, I, I don't know how that works. But so, yeah, I, I constantly think of, you know, is this anything like what it was like for me? Am, am I Am I headed down a good path? Am I headed down something I need to correct on? And and part of that for me, one of the things that I have really tried to work on as a father, as a parent, is around emotional control. You know, I've only just got the one. It sounds like you have more than one. I got three. You got three. Three, three under seven. It gets, uh, it gets tough. So you guys are playing zone defense. You know, it's, we, we all have our stresses and, and we get busy. 
and we lose it from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> so, it, it, there's the rope ends at some point for every parent, and then you just lose it. You, yeah, the rope despite ends. the best efforts. Despite the best efforts, and so I'm not I'm not sure I've gotten any better about not losing it, but I've I've been working on maybe that um, that that witness, you know, somewhat of an impartial view of of understanding when I'm losing it mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, trying to cap that off as, as quickly as I can. Just so just as, as a simple example, my son and I were out in Colorado Springs and we were, we were running some Spartan races at uh, Fort Carson, the army base out there a month or two ago. And the, the parking situation was a cluster, the, the funnel to get in. And, and we're trying to get there for a tight deadline for my son's. He runs a competitive race that starts at, an, at a precise 9 a.m. And so I finally just, I left, uh, left my buddy in the car and my son and I just started running down the road to get to check-in and registration and took a shortcut around this long line. And an army MP stopped us and said, hey, you know, sir, I can't let you go through here security, so forth. Right. And, and I just, I, I tried to reason with him a little bit. And, and the bottom line is this guy's doing his job to, to keep everybody safe and keep the facility safe. And we were guests there, but under the stress of the moment, you know, I, I, I did lose it a bit, dropped a couple F-bombs with the guy mm-hmm. yeah. in my frustration. And so, you know, I certainly didn't head that moment off, but as I was walking away with my son to get back in the line we were meant to be in, I, I, uh, I apologized to him. So, you know, part of what I've tried to work on is, is how, you know, how do I course correct and recognize it as yeah. quickly as possible, but, but also, you know, being, being humble and modest, modest enough to apologize. And I said, you know what, you shouldn't have seen that. I shouldn't have gone there and I shouldn't have treated that guy the right way that, or that, that way that was wrong. For the dads listening out there, what you just said there is super important. And I, I do this with my oldest daughter of seven, that when you do lose it, I think this is something that as veterans, we suck at because we don't really practice forgiveness at all. There's very, very rarely do you ever practice even being wrong. You're usually just, especially if you're in a position of authority, you're right until, because there's nobody willing to have the ball to tell you that you're wrong. And, but this is ultimately the key to move through maybe an anger moment from PTSD or whatever you're dealing with. I mean, our kids are capable of understanding a lot more than we give them credit for and explaining that you had a bad day. This is what happened. And asking for their forgiveness, I, I don't know what that looks like as they grow up, but I can only imagine that those seeds are something amazing within their workplace, when they're at school, that there's always room for forgiveness, no matter how you went over the cliff, because we're human beings and we're all part of the same coding, but yet we set up these walls and barriers that says that somehow we're different when reality we're not. And then all these emotions just build up in these barriers to the point where they explode. And then it's yeah. almost sometimes beyond even apologizing because it's an explosion. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes an apology isn't enough or, or doesn't cut it. But, you know, when I have those, um, have those moments, I, I sort of wonder, you know, we, we learn our, our behavior by example. Yeah. You know, do as I do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work. We learn by example as children. And so I think back, you know, is this, is this something I learned and am I repeating the, the behavior cycle by, by teaching it? And that's where I've tried to, maybe interrupt it. So if I haven't, you know, if I failed to head that behavior off myself, at least quickly, as I did in that example, say, Hey, son, you know, again, that wasn't right. I didn't treat him the right way. That young man was doing his job. And, and also, you know, not only should I have not have, have done that, but you know, I hate that, that you had seen that. And, you know, at that point it's, it's done, but that's at least the best I found as a father to, to try to say, 
look, that behavior was not correct. And I'm going to yeah. do my best to try not to repeat it. And I'm learning from it. And I hope you can learn from it. Because then if when he learns what when he crosses the line, maybe with a teacher or any type of situation in school, he'll have an example. And this is a part that uh, veteran and active duty dads, because we are part of a disciplined member of society, part of the military, that we have this kind of ability to be that person for our kids. And we just miss out the opportunity to provide those examples because it's, it's a big part of a kid growing up as well. Absolutely. Let's switch maybe a slight gear a little bit. How did the, the divorce that your dad went through and you and your mom, how did that affect you when you went, decided to get married? Hmm. Well, you know, part of the, part of the way I think it, it affected me even rewinding a little bit more is so my brother was still in high school. I was in university at that point and it was clear for a long time that, that things were not good between them. So my first reaction to the news that they were going to split was, was good. You know, maybe this is what each of them need individually as an adult, as adults to be happier. And I'm happy for them if this makes each of them happier. And as a product of that, I was hopeful that it could improve as children for me and my brother, our relationships with, with each of the parents. And as we were, we were basically both young adults at the time, this is an opportunity maybe for, for us to form new you know, parent, child, adult to adult relationships that, that, you know, maybe we were too young for before, or maybe the, the dynamic was, was a little ugly and, and, you know, there were too many emotions around it. Um, but that, that didn't happen. As, as I mentioned, my, my father and I have been estranged for, for quite a long time, basically since then. And I, and I, you know, I, I don't know all the reasons for that. I don't know if he was dealing with, with darker things himself that preoccupied him or, you know, maybe he just didn't even have the, the emotional tools to deal with, uh, you know, battle on multiple fronts, if, if you will. Going into my own marriage, absolutely. You know, I think it's, it's something that I, I didn't get married until I was in my 30s. I, I think I was really holding off or hesitant about the institution of marriage for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's something I thought about not only before committing, but, but again, I, I think about fairly frequently because marriage always takes work. It's, yep. it's, uh, it's an incredible experience, but it's also a very, it's a very tough endeavor um, probably for my wife more than me. <laughs> She's got to put yep. up with me. Right. But you know, I, I, I do, I do understand that marriage is dissolving is sometimes the right answer. But I also, for myself at least, I believe that that we've got something special, and it, you know, it's it's worth the effort and it's worth the fight. It's a very good message, and I think it is always work. But at the same time, it's something that something beautiful can come out on the other side of that work through having kids. And even when your kids leave, there's so much more of life after kids that you can experience with your spouse and. So I've, the best way I've heard it explained is that so much of our society today is that if they focus on their kids so much that they forget how to be married. And then when their kids leave, they end up being strangers and it almost happens by, by default because they no longer know how to be with each other. And now they're on the next phase of their life and they're strangers to each other. And it really takes a commitment and prioritizing of the marriage versus even the kids that you need to show up and choose your wife first every single day. We had an episode, uh, I think back in the spring, that he 
gave the advice that always kiss your wife first and make sure that your kids understand that she's more important than them, despite how maybe that might go against culture. But showing your kids that she's more important emphasizes that something that they're going to remember when they grow up and how prioritizing that life as well will go through their lives when they decide to get married. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. I, I, I understand the biological imperative that, you know, our, our child is our blood and, and you want to, you know, we have this imperative for that gene pool to survive and for that child to survive. And we probably naturally are drawn to focus our energy there first, but you're right. It's, it's important. And it's, it's a, it's a thing that's got to be done consciously. I think the, the one thing that my wife and I agreed on and have consistently maintained is, is having a unified front. So making sure that we are unified in any sort of, whether it's, uh, whether it's a policy, whether it's punishment, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be with our son, not putting the situation in place where, um, it can be, it can be divided, right? The, the, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, mom said no. So I'm going to ask dad, um, sort of a thing, but yeah, you know, you're right. And, and maybe it's, it's modern, modern world and instant gratification that we've become accustomed to, or, you know, the, the dopamine hits of clicking on, uh, clicking on Instagram to see who's, who's liked my last post. But yep. we, we do somehow, we have a way as humans of perceiving everything as, um, as infinite. You know, we think that the current situation is as it will be forever. But as, as you said, something like childhood, it passes so quickly. And all of a sudden you're empty nesters and you're on to the next phase of your life. And maybe if you're lucky, then you're on to the phase of being grandparents. Mm-hmm. So it's a continual path and a continual evolution. I think if we can maintain some perspective on on enjoying the present, but there's a long road ahead, maybe that's one way to to keep focused on the fact that you've got a marriage that comes first and, and, and then you've also got a job of raising children. One thing that I think about that's very good about your story, not good, but it's interesting that uh, some people would look at your story and they would just get stuck in that neutral state they would almost be they wouldn't give themselves permission to live their own life because of how fractured it was and they just felt like that would just be a victim mindset knowing where you are today when you look back and knowing the story that you have in your life what's something about that story that's made you who you are today that you look back and say that like these lessons helped make me the man i am today as far as the positives of that story sure well there's probably there's probably a few great things about it. So again, uh, we have a perception of permanence. But look, for my mom, she went on to fairly recently in in the last years. She remet a guy from high school at their 50th high school reunion. Wow! And <laughs> and they've been dating the last few years. So that that turned out great for them. I know my father remarried, and part of the way he's dealt with some of the things he's dealt with is through yoga and he's become a yoga instructor. So maybe he's, he's found the place that he needs to be for, for me, like one of the ways it's, it's really given me a boost is so by, by profession, I am a a corporate consultant. That's uh, that's sort of the day job. I work with companies that are going through transformations or growth or startup or, or things like that. And, and really a, a consultant is sort of a continuous learning, teaching, applying sort of endeavor, almost a coach, if you will. And in, in recent past, I've really, the last three years in particular, three to four years, 
for myself, I've been focused on some of this reflection on what my family was like growing up in, in a, uh, in a challenge strained veteran household and, and having a growing son on my part. And, and so I, I look at this path that I'm on and, and I read a, a great book around mastery and the journey towards mastery, which is a lifelong journey, right? It's, I don't even know if it's a, a, an end state or a goal to be reached, but it's a jagged path and one where we continually have setbacks and we continually have uh, adversity in our lives. Maybe, you know, much like my parents did, or we experienced as an offshoot as children, but there, you know, tons of examples throughout life. And so one of the ways that this is a huge positive for me is, well, now I've got a lot of fuel to, to what I'm doing. And I, I have a podcast myself, Ben, as you know, around that mastery journey called, called the man of mastery. And I'm, I'm using it to look at what performance looks like for myself in my life and what it looks like for, for me as a father to, to learn about myself from my past and to learn from others and apply that as a father apply that as a husband and maybe share some of, of what I've learned that, that others may benefit from as well. And I think what your story has is adversity. And oftentimes adversity is one of the best fuels for great uh, growth and courage and to do amazing things. Some of the biggest people that we know today, Oprah, Tony Robbins, all of these people came from a story where you almost wouldn't believe it. And, but yet from where they are today, it came from a point of adversity of, some, and I don't. I wouldn't consider you going all the way to rock bottom. But once you've been near bottom, there's something about that that you only see one way forward. And if you live your life halfway in the middle and never really get to see the bottom of life or the top of life, you don't always have the the craving to go bigger with your life. But when you've been at the bottom and you can see like there's only one way I can go is figuring out how to make this make what I have right now better and do something more with it. Yeah, I, I like that. I, in fact, I think Tony Robbins is one that says it's, it's either going to happen by desperation or inspiration. And in, in, in my case, I, th- I think uh, you know, there's a lot of people that will just avoid adversity or in, in first world life, I, I think in a way we've gotten too soft. We have the ability to, to hide or pick the easy path or to avoid a lot of, of maybe at least the small things in life. As opposed to, I'm I'm now making a concerted effort for myself and with my son along with me of let's go let's go challenge ourselves in ways that are tough that are scary and let's lean into and face those things in ways that help us grow not only physically but mentally and emotionally so that we're ready for the the unforeseen challenges and adversity that life throws at us and I think a good way to think about it that I heard recently from a coach of mine in the Krav Maga world that I started studying in a few years ago, I, I had uh, I had this coach on as a podcast episode of my own. And he, he talks about what got him into the world of, of Krav Maga as a, as a self-defense mechanism himself. And it was being robbed at gunpoint. And his point was that he had this horrible, violent, uh, violation and an event that happened to him, such a negative event, but negative events in our lives have such a, such an incredible way of leading down the road to equal and opposite or better positive mm-hmm. outcomes. If, if we're open to perspective on that. And I think that's what military dads often get hung up on is we don't really know how to work through what we experience. So in your dad for PTSD from Vietnam, modern dads from Afghanistan and Iraq, 
I've heard it said that PTSD is also can be rewarded as post-traumatic growth disorder, that we just experienced a whole big pile of life in a short amount of time, and we don't know what to do with it. We had one guest in the podcast, he had a little bit of PTSD, and when he came home and as he was transitioning, his wife was diagnosed with brain cancer and something that I don't wish on anybody. And we were talking on the podcast that some of what he went through in Afghanistan helped prepare him for this phase of going through it in his life. And it was really about just taking what happened and trying to retool it and figure out how I can use it to move forward versus staying still. And it's when we stay still that when I've interviewed dads, that we put these barriers between us and our kids, which I think is what you mentioned in the beginning, that there was just these barriers between him being a father and you having a father, and he just couldn't move past them because he couldn't figure out what this all meant of why it happened. Maybe he lost someone, whatever happened, that you can just get hung up on these loops. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's amazing, your guest, by the way, that was able to take what, what he experienced and flip it around to a positive to be as supportive as, as he could or, or help his wife in, in what she was going through. And I think, you know, sometimes we've got control over things, sometimes we don't. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes the positives that we can get out of, out of the challenges or negatives in life, they don't come right away. And so it's hard to, hard to see or hard to have the patience to follow through and kind of wait for that equal and opposite positive, positive impact somewhere down the road. But, you know, in my case, part of it is, is consciously going after a learning experience and a teaching experience and, and a journey for myself and my son and, and those that I can touch through a podcast. And then, you know, for, for some things that I can, I can consciously go out and, and impact myself, you know, I may not have the relationship to, to help you know, my father or be involved in, in his recovery or work through PTS at all. But it, it's also fueled me to, to find a way to be involved in any extent that I can in other similar ways to, to help out the community. I live in San Diego. It's a huge active and veteran military community. So we have an amazing community of, of military and veteran entrepreneurs here that I have that opportunity to support mm-hmm. through local business when, when possible. And last year, I, I got involved with, if, if you heard of Mark Devine's Courage Foundation, who was running a campaign last year in particular that he called Burpees for Vets. So along with a couple hundred other people, I donated, donated raised money and, and donated, uh, I think, about 20,000 burpees myself in support of, of nice. his foundation, which is, is directly reaching out and, and working with vets through some of his techniques um, in, in that community. So I think there's a lot of ways it, it can fuel us, those of us who do or even don't have a military background to, to try to touch those, those communities. I got a question for you. I'm not sure whether you got a good answer for it or whether you've ever thought about it, but I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, if your dad called you today, what would you tell him? Yeah. Thanks for putting me on the spot with that one. <laughs> Cause you I know, think there's a lot of dads out there that have these estranged relationships, but, and there's also this disease and there may be good reasons not for you to talk, but I think there's other cases where people just have these stalemates that aren't willing. And I think uh, your message or whatever you wish your dad could hear right now to another dad may help some da- other dad come home that maybe hasn't been able to connect with their son. Sure. Um, you know, here's maybe one way to, to frame my answer to this is one of the events I was going through recently. And again, this is along the theme of, of, you know, challenge yourself to do hard things and see what you can learn from it. One of these was a team-based event. 
And, you know, it started to, it starts to suck real bad as an individual, <laughs> but when you have a team and you can take your eyes off yourself and your own pity party and think more about how to help your, your buddy, your teammate, how to, how to succeed as a team, how to support somebody else rather than just, you know, getting inside your own head. There's a lesson there, I think, to apply to a lot of things. So to your question, I think the way I would look at it is, you know, maybe maybe that ship has sailed for, for me and my dad. Maybe, maybe it hasn't, right? Who knows what the, the future holds. But where I'm at right now with an 11-year-old boy is, is he's now aware enough and wanting to know about, you know, pictures on the wall or family tree or this or that to where you know, he's, he's asked me several times very recently, hey, you know, tell me more about about your dad, about my, about my grandpa, where, you know, where is he at? What does he do now? And, and, you know, have I ever met him? And do you think I'll get a chance to meet him? Could we go visit him? So I think I would, I would take that opportunity to make it less about myself. And maybe there's something that would come out of that for me, but I would make it more about what does my son need and and what, what could he get? You know, does he need to know his grandpa and does his grandpa need to know him? And would Mm -hmm. that be good for those guys? And you talked about that connection when you were fishing with your grandpa and your father. And I like what you said there. And I think there's a lot of good wisdom within that, that when you get into these moments, when you make it about yourself, there's almost no way through it because there's always a good reason in your mind. But when you make it about someone else externally, it no longer becomes about whatever happened to you. It's really about something and how you can you take what you have. And it's not like he's a bad person. You've just created a rift that there's not a reason that he couldn't help add value to your son's life and maybe even help be a bridge to come back together in general as a family. Right. Yeah. Not, not my place to, to judge what, what he was going through or, yeah. you know, or, or what path he took, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at this point, literally my job as a father is to try to lay out the best life and best path and best mm-hmm. lessons I can for my son. And if that means, even if it's something that I've got to put emotions or ego or, or stubbornness or something aside for, then, you know, it's not about me. It's, it's about my son. And even that exercise of doing something externally of yourself, even if it's not your dad, that exercise teaches a lot, even as you talked about, just a regular challenge of doing hard things, because that's a hard thing to do just in general with a lot of things in life. It, it is. And, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll switch gears on us a little bit here of, of just some of the ways that if, if I go back to some of the things we talked about early on, you know, how even when my dad was, was home, you know, how present was he? So one of the things that I've, I've tried to do with my son is figure out what he likes to do or get him involved in things that I like to do and be able to spend that time together. So for example, if I want to make working out a priority for myself, if, if I go to a gym and that takes me away from my family, then you know, that's another hour, hour and a half or whatever it is that I don't have with my son. So I gave up on working out at gyms. I've, I've built some stuff out in our backyard. We do a lot of body weight workouts. And so particularly since my son and I have started doing Spartan racing together, we might go for a run. We might go out in the backyard, do burpees together, uh, or we'll help each other through, through high intensity workouts or other Tabata sets of something. And so we literally will do those workouts together where he's holding my feet to do sit-ups or we'll do burpees and we make sure when we do the burpees, we're facing each other. So we're looking into each other's eyes and going through the reps together to, to help each other through it. Or even to the extent this, this, uh, this weekend, 
I got up super early yesterday morning, threw on a 20 pound ruck and I went for a, a 12 mile walk up and down a, up and down a hill here over, over three and a half hours. And I, and I thought, you know, to the, to the extent I've been making a point of doing all these things with my son. So we have quality time together and we're getting a healthy exercise done together or healthy activity. I didn't think, you know, I didn't think he was getting up at six in the morning to do a three and a half hour ruck. Mm -hmm. So when I came home yesterday, he goes, dad, that was awesome. Next time you do it, can I go? Yeah. So just, you know, finding ways that we can now you've things. got this almost magnetic connection where it's you're na he's naturally being drawn to something that you're doing it together. And what you've just pieced together is brilliant for military dads because we are skilled in all of these things of how to live adventurously and do things a little bit creatively and do push-ups in random places. And these are things that we can help bring our kids into. And for me, I didn't have any of this in me. I like running is the death of me. I was the least likely of going to Marine Corps. I wasn't fit. And these are things that like bringing into them, into the, my, into their life right now. I mean, just today, here's a perfect story related to running. So I've been trying to conquer my fear this summer of running. It's been something that's plagued me for 15 years. And so I've been consciously focusing on uh, starving the fear. And my kids have noticed, and I can't tell you how many times they talk about running. And my son actually bought school shoes and he bought them legitimately because of his reasons, not mine, that he wanted to be super fast runner like dad, even though dad doesn't is super fast running where in his <laughs> eyes, I'm a super fast runner. And just tonight, I've been, they've been wanting me to wake him up at like 5am when I go and I'm just like, I'm not going to do that because then they're going to be sweaty. It's going to be time for school. It's not going to happen. But today, right before dinner, I was like, I'm going to go for a run. I'm getting tired and I just need to get some energy. So I first was going to take my oldest to because my oldest really is starting to like running. My son theoretically likes running, but he really doesn't know what he's getting himself into. And then my youngest, so my three-year-old, then she figures out what we're doing. So I'm like, what the hell? This is going to be a complete disaster. Just go all in. And it was an absolute flipping disaster. But incorporating that memory all together and just doing it together like you can't buy that memory and you can't buy that, that those little things that you're doing right now, especially in something as important as fitness. And in America, fitness isn't number one. So when you reinforce fitness as something that brings a child joy, that's going to be a game changer for them just in general, based on the direction of our country's going today. And it ended up that I was running with my daughter on my shoulders, my three-year-old, because she's stopped walking and like, the first block. My son, <laughs> my son's required us to walk because he was starting to get cramps, which he's never gotten cramps. So he didn't even know what they were. He just was holding his stomach and I was just like, Oh, great. And then my oldest was all upset because none of the other kids wanted to run and she wanted to run, but just doing it as a family, it was a complete disaster, but doing it as a family, that is a memory that I enjoyed, even though it was crazy. And I went into it with the right mindset of it's going to be nuts. And it's just going to grow and like what we, okay, we've established the floor. This is chaos. Now we can start working our way forward and do it smaller. We've got a circle out front. So we'll maybe practice and run and they can run. They just don't run long enough is the problem. They get they create excuses for why they need to walk. And it's just what you talked about. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds hilarious and, and awesome all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You know, you, you, you're, you're spending the quality time together you're creating a healthy habit. And, and then I also, you know, I try to use it to have those little teaching moments too. You know, you just, you never know what's going to stick with them, but you throw them in here and there and you hope some of the seeds sprout roots, you know? So I'll talk to my son about 
micro goals. So we were out for like a bike ride or a run one day and I, I talked to him about, Hey, you know, we're not focused on the six miles ahead. We're focused on, if it gets tough, we're going to focus on making it to that nice next light post. And you know, his next comment was something about the pizza from last night or, you know, like it just went right over out in the wind. But you know what? We, when we were headed for home, the, the last home stretch last, I don't know, 10th of a mile is straight up a hill and we're, we're pedaling up that hill and I could just see him cranking along, cranking along, cranking along. And we got to the top and he goes, dad, do you realize that's the first time I made it all the way up the hill without stopping? I go, that's awesome, buddy. How'd you do it? He goes, well, it was just like you said, micro goals. I just focused on the next driveway and then the next driveway and the next driveway and I made it. Like, wow, something sunk in and, you know, a little teacher. You're like, I won the good dad award today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll give him all the credit, but, you know, it gives you those, those chances to, to have those, those little chats and those little things that maybe they leave a ma- lasting memory. Maybe they just kind of get planted there for them to use later. And, and hopefully, again, healthy habits and, and maybe some, some connections and some memories. And I think, like, I think about running and say you running with your son, like if, say if you were to die when he was 18 years old, he has these core memories to connect with you, that there's ways that he knows that he can find ways to remember you. And those memories are what are so important when you think of a legacy of how to connect with your father. There was uh, Ashley Bugley, we interviewed her. He died when he was in a scuba diving accident in Hawaii. And his life was living life without a bucket list. And his kids now have a way to connect with their dad of just doing amazing things that like, don't second guess it, just do it. And that's what you're giving them. You're giving them these easy ways to connect with you in a memory that no matter what stage of life, no matter whether you pass it or whether it's when he's 40, there's these core ways that he remembers his father, just like you remembering your fishing. And these are, I think, the for, especially for sons, because we need these foundational memories to grow and build those first stories in that skyscraper that, of the man that we want our sons to be. And they're so easy for them to always just ride the elevator back down and check them out and feel them again and then go right back to where they were. But And you, you've built them and I'm starting to build them as well. And I think this is the missed opportunity for a lot of veterans because we have all of these ideas already. We've experienced a lot of life as being in the military and we have the ability to help enrich our kids' lives in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of these things, they're, they're, they're simple. They're probably things that particularly, you know, if, if you're a veteran, you've had some level of, of an active lifestyle. They're the things that, that you're trained for, that you know how to do, that don't cost anything more than spend yeah. some time with your son. And it's not an excuse. It's not like you, like you said, where, oh, I can't go to the gym. I got, I got a beer gut, but I can't go to the gym because I'll have to take time away from my kid. It's really just reframing it and recognizing, well, that's a BS excuse. I can figure out a way to get it done because especially in the Marine Corps, our motto is improvise, adapt, and overcome. So by that logic, you can overcome anything that you think is an excuse. One, Yeah, one way or another. And um, yeah, maybe I'll give you one more quick example. So my, my son and I went on a five-day camping hiking trip to Mount Whitney over the summer. So it's a pretty big mountain. And he was the, I think the youngest kid or one of the youngest kids in the group that went, but he was a stud getting up and down that mountain. So not only was it hopefully something that as we're talking about becomes a great memory, maybe it instills some fondness for the outdoors and nature and camping and hiking, 
But the other thing it gave us an opportunity to do is not only talk as father and son away from devices and cell phone signals and Fortnite and Xbox and whatever, but it was a little bit of a, at 11 years old, it was a bit of a coming of age event for him. This mm-hmm. was five days without a cell phone signal. So didn't really get to talk to mama for day after yeah. day for the first time in, in his life as a, as a young man, a young adult to start to be his own person a little bit. Brian Mickler of Order of Man podcast, he talks about that of that men need to be able to carve their own path and almost disconnect from what they need from mom and be able to create that from within themselves. And what you're talking about, going on those exercises, digging deep in places he has to end look and knowing that it's just you and him out there and that it's going to be on him to get through what he needs to get through. That is an important part that our sons need to experience. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. You know, unfortunately, there's no playbook that comes along when the when the baby gets handed to you to, to how to do this as a father. And as a society, we don't really have those rite of passage events no. anymore. Um, but I, I would also say, you know, don't don't wait for one big one. I think you can create these these small ones along the way and you can create those those little everyday experiences and, and quality time together that we're talking about. Yeah. And really the basics of what our sons need is just their, they need that approval of from their father that they're doing the right things. And they just need that quality time to know that they're connected and with that energy of who you are and that they just feel loved. And I feel like that's some of the biggest permission we can give them to go out into the world and be the men that they're meant to be. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and along with it, I would say, you know, masculinity is almost a toxic topic these days, but you know, the last thing you mentioned is, is our, our children, particularly our sons, knowing that they're loved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, generations pass. I don't, I don't know how frequent it was for men to say, son, I love you. But yep. that is, you know, that is something my son probably gets too much of. There will I'm be the, no, no doubt in his boat. mind. My, my son gets lots of hugs. I always tell him I'm proud of him, I, I, that he did a good job. And uh, I'm actually... Uh, I was never known for a person that give good hugs until two years ago, but now I am the dad that me, when I give, instead of like giving a good head handshake, I'm known as the guy that gives good hugs. And so these are things that like, I'm, I'm, I give really good hugs to my son, all my daughters, they all get really big, tight hugs. And I want them to feel that, that, that safe place to know where that, uh, that they're loved. I because love that. That's and amazing. so much of world, I can't even imagine the world they're growing up in. Even today for kids, it's hard. But imagine what an Instagram world of 2030 will look like. I think it's going to be devoid, uh, devoid of those big things that move their life forward. And it's going to come for all from within. And it's up to us as dads to make sure they have the tool set to, to build it. Absolutely. It just gets more and more void. One last topic I wanted to, to hit on real quick. Have you ever, what have you thought about with legacy when it comes to what, what you had with your dad and what you're trying to do with your son? Legacy is an interesting one. You know, I, I think there, there was probably a time in our, in our culture, in our country where there was a lot of trade, you know, so you could pass a trade along to your, to your son. And then we probably got into this modern sort of industrial and, and business age where people dreamt of their children being, doctors and, and lawyers and yeah, going right to the top, right to the, right to the top, right out of the or, middle class, 
Right. Yeah. Or, or the perception thereof. Although I just heard of a couple who both came out of law school and their combined million dollars in, in uh, educational debt. So I don't know that that puts them at the top of, of anything. Well, we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk much about that. <laughs> you know, I, I think as parents, one of the things we've really tried to focus on is creative, instilling some creative critical thinking um, in instilling a a desire and acceptance to follow your own path, to follow your passions, to sit down and figure out what your passions are, what your principles are, what your how you're willing to live your own life, what kind of people you want to have around you. Uh, even going so far as explicitly writing a personal ethos to to know how you want to be as a person. Thinking about starting, maybe this is a Stephen Covey saying, but starting with the end in mind. And if you wanted to think about what your life was going to look like in hindsight, what are the things you need to do? Little things along the way and big milestone markers along the way to get there. Um, and then teaching, you know, teaching some tools uh, along the way to apply those things, whether it's, whether it's discipline or whether it's some things around emotional control. My wife teaches meditation. So she's been great about, about teaching our son uh, about stillness and quieting his mind and using meditation or silence as, as one of those tools. So, I think we're, we're focused less on how we leave something explicitly as a legacy and maybe more fundamentally in how he might view the world, how he's going to treat himself and treat others and giving him some tools along the way he might use to, to do those things towards his goals. There's part that you hit on there, right, with giving him the tools and the goals. And the part that I often think about when it comes to legacy is trying to focus on those little things that you're talking about, those little things that you can help give them the, what they need to go out there and just describing your son, the part that hit me and I often describe, uh, I twist up a Steve Jobs quote that he always said that he was going out into the world to try to make a dent in the universe. I would say he succeeded making a dent in the universe, but I often like break it down for legacy when it comes down to like, if the universe is a wall, like I want to walk by that wall and say that that dent was a colloids. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big dent, but enough of like a debt legacy where people remember that name for something and that those kids went out into the world to do something amazing. And it sounds like I'm definitely going to walk by the, the Bullock dent one day and be like, man, that was a hell of a dent because that kid went out there and just killed it. Man, I, you know, I hope so. Whether, you know, whether he's known for doing something that's widespread or whether it's as, as important as just being a good father and a good husband himself, you know, one day. But the, you know, the other thing about leaving those big dents, about becoming successful, whatever defines success to, to each of us as individuals, is, at least in my view, success is really an event. It is a journey, and it's a, it's a process. It's, uh, it's something that, that we, again, in, in today's world, 24-hour news channels, we, we glorify these points in time. But things like those types of successes they're usually a long time coming and, and oftentimes they're built on, they're built on failures that you learn from. Yeah. And one Instagram on, post is not the, the, the definition of success and it takes years of failure prior to get there as well. Exactly. It is a long journey. And so I think that's the other thing is to, to help, help people and help kids understand that, you know, they've, they've got to, they've got to have a bead on, on what kind of life they want to live. Uh, but it's really, it's really the product ultimately of compounding very small, consistent daily actions, 
checking those against your course and building things up over time. Again, oftentimes on failure and, and that success, if, if, if there is a singular destination, it's uh, it's often a long process and a long time to get there. Um, so I think, I think arming people with that kind of knowledge those kind of tools and, and the right mindset, I think is a lot of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mindset is a, is a fundamental to, to any sort of success or legacy or, or dent in the universe. A question I always, if you listened to a couple of past episodes, you might've heard this question. If your son's at a bar talking with his friends, what do you wish he would say about you? About me? Um, or what do you think he would say? You know, I, uh, I would just hope my son would say that, that he was, that he was proud of me and, um, and that we spend quality time together. I like that. It's simple. It's something that we can all do. And the one part that I think military dads often do is because we have this military complex, which is very big that will overcomplicate everything. But what you just said there and wrapping it up is that what they're going to remember is what we didn't really talk on it, but we off talk about all the other episodes that kids spell love T I M E and those methods of investing that little bitty time. Those are the ones that are going to fuel the conversation when they go to describe dad, because they're going to describe dad as this adventurous guy. Cause he did all these things, but to you, they were maybe little, but to him, they were amazing. Uh, yeah, I hope so, and and I I, I hope we uh, we're continuing to to build a history here as a family of of incredible time together, um, where where I don't have the chance to involve my son in everything I do, I, I try to do it indirectly. So some of these crucible events I've gone off and done, uh, you know, that you need to be an adult to do that I've done on my own. I make sure that he has the ability to show up and meet me at the finish line, and, and a lot of times. You know, we're, we're kind of here talking about what we can give our children, but man, a lot of times what gets me through those kind of things or gets me through a tough day at work or gets me through a traffic jam, uh, literally is knowing that my son is there waiting, you know, when I get home or at the end of an event or at the end of a day. So there's so much they give us as parents that, uh, you know, we can only hope to give, give something back to them in life. And no matter how minuscule of a person you might feel coming home from work, to the you, the moment you walk in that door, they're still a hero. Absolutely. And that's Love the part it. that we often forget is that to our kids, we never stop being the hero. Love it. Yep. And on our worst day, it's always waiting there. As we wrap up this episode, because this has been a very unique episode, and I really liked how we've flipped it on the other side of what it's like being a, a son on the other side of this. What is the message that you want other dads to know or hear of being a son of a military dad? Not even maybe connected to your story, but just in general, if there was a message you wanted to share for military dads being a son, what do you think it would be? Yeah, I think there, there's, there's so much, there's certainly so much challenge that comes in, in the life of a military family in, in so many forms. You know, even, even, if, even if it's in peacetime, you know, it could be moving around, having to change schools, or you know, in, in the conflict we've been in a country for so long, there's so many deployments and, and we're talking about a, a number of things here, including PTS. But as complex as military and military family life might be, uh, I, what I see and saw in my father as a veteran and I see in my veteran friends and associates, there are so many tools that those institutions, uh, those branches of the military equip uh, men and women veterans with that I, I would say, you know, you come home and, and you, you come home as a, as a parent 
with so many tools that you may not consciously or um, have taken the chance to sit down and think about. You know, we, we talked about probably only a very few of them here, but there, there are things around discipline to instill in a, in a very positive way. There are things around pride of work. We talked about some of the things around physical activity, appreciation for nature, maybe the way you treat other people, uh, respect for authority, um, respectful conflict in, um, in intellectual dialogue. There's so many things I think that, that you guys as veterans bring back to your families and can bring back to your families and to your communities and to the working world that it's absolutely an asset uh, something to be proud of, something I think all of us appreciate. And uh, there's just so much for you guys to give, give your children and, and the rest of us that, uh, that I'm grateful for it. I love that. And if there was a microphone in your hand, there would be definitely a mic drop because that was, <laughs> you just crushed that answer because it's what I talk about in every podcast that as dads, we are so capable to make a, a, the most amazing family life. And every time I hear of a dad that took their own life, I just, it, I, my heart breaks because there's so much missed opportunity to create amazing family stories, adventures, and just amazing human beings with our family and our kids. And we just give up on it. And it's, it just hurts me every time. Yeah, really, really well said, Ben. And uh, you know, I, I appreciate you taking some time to get a perspective from maybe the, you know the other side of of the family of uh, somebody who is an adult now, but but grew up in a uh, in a challenged military veteran household. I appreciate it as well. If people want to connect with you in, in your podcast, where's the best place to go ahead and find you? Sure, it's it's. Uh... Uh, again, it's around the mastery journal journey, excuse me, and and sort of pursuit of of performance as as a dad and as a man in life. So a little bit of a cheesy name, but I call it the Man of Mastery podcast. You can find it on on iTunes, all uh, Google Podcasts, all all the major outlets. There's a website called manofmastery.com, and it's also on social media as Man of Mastery or or the Man of Mastery on on Instagram. So I'd love to. Uh, Love to connect from, hear from your audience, uh, get feedback on this episode. Hopefully, this is a bit of interesting and, and useful perspective. Uh, I think a lot of what I've, I've talked about here is, is just from my own journey as what I call a life student, mm-hmm. trying to learn and apply myself and find actionable knowledge to share with others. So if, uh, if folks are interested, come look me up there. Love to love to hear what you think and get involved. Thank you. And what you... With your story, because of the nature of it and how you articulated it, the one part that I've learned over the years that when you have a story that's worth telling, and maybe you're afraid of being judged or people looking at you differently after you tell it, but man, when the courage comes like you just did, I'm not sure how often you get a chance to tell your story, but by telling it first, like there are dads that are going to be listening to this that you've just given them permission to tell theirs, either a dad or maybe they're a fellow son that that permission to tell their story can be so powerful by you going first. So I really want to just uh, thank you very much for sharing your story and being open and vulnerable with us in this podcast episode. Yeah. You know, thank you for that, Ben. I, I really appreciate it. Honestly, it gives me a little bit of, of chills uh, to, to hear that. I, this is not something that I talk about openly. Uh, it's not something easy for me to talk about. It's not something that, I've even readily spent a lot of time talking to my, my wife or, or my son about, but I, you know, the, the, this mastery journey and concept and podcast and website and all the things I've been endeavoring on for the last half a year or so, 
uh, are are about facing fears, like you said, starving the fear, feed the feed the courage wolf, however you want to say that. And they're you know they're about about kind of manning up and doing hard things. So for me, this this is one of them, and I appreciate the opportunity to to sort of lean into that, open up, and and talk about it. And if that that helps others, I'm I'm glad to do it. Well, thank you, Michael, for coming on the show, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ben. I really appreciate it. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show, and I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.